Hello, you're listening to Heroes and Headwinds. It's a podcast brought to you by The Culinary Edge. I'm Graham Humphreys, CEO at The Culinary Edge, and I lead a team of food and beverage innovators who, maybe like you, solve today's problems and create tomorrow's opportunities for food and beverage. This podcast brings you into the conversations that we have with our heroes in the industry, discussing how to brave the headwinds of an ever-changing and challenging F&B landscape. Along the way, we hope you'll get to know our guests as we have as friends, collaborators, and inspirations for a brighter future. This episode, we're sharing an interview with Mindy Armstrong, Senior Director at Inspire Brands, who oversees innovation for Buffalo Wild Wings. This interview was a trip, not only because of Mindy's energy and transparency, but also her people-first approach to innovation and pretty much everything else in life. Here it is. So sound check, sound check. Um, Mindy Armstrong, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Let's kick off on a topic we most often talk about, which is people. I've noticed a lot of the time we're trying to solve problems, we gravitate to a conversation about the people, their qualities, and the combinations and teams that lead to the solution. Yes, I think one of the things I've I've been lucky enough to be part of and also very aware of is that innovation or ideas or inspiration even for that matter will die quickly if the energy is off. And what we know from building teams, what you know, what I know from building amazing teams over the years is that getting the right chemistry, getting the right set of uh, people, getting the right set of strengths and weaknesses and skill sets and all the things in, into one ecosystem is the best way to create big ideas. The only way you can disrupt, the only way you can transform, the only way you can bring big ideas to the table is to get the right thinkers in the room and get the right thinkers that are willing to break down walls and be vulnerable to putting the ideas on the wall. That vulnerability is key. Are there any things that you found are real buzzkills or creativity kills in those kinds of situations? Oh my goodness, so many. I mean, I think we've all been in those situations where you have someone in a group that says that will never work or we've tried that before, or no one will accept it, or we don't have the budget. You know, there's all of those things. Sometimes those people are right. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, you know, <laughs> there's the adage that like, there's no such sometimes thing as a bad idea. Exactly no, there really right. are some there's bad some ideas. terrible so. ideas, a hundred percent. Like, and often I have contributed those terrible ideas. I think what you have to be willing to Mindy do. Mindy says though, proudly. Yeah. I am. I mean, that's the thing, like dump it, right? It's like, I, you know, I've had lots of amazing mentors and one always said to me, it's like an onion, peel the onion, like pull back the layers. So layer one is going to be all the reasons why we can't do things. Layer two is all about the ways that we could think about new ways to solve the problem. Layer three are the really, you know, beginning of the iceberg ideas that might start to, to solve this challenge that we have. Layer four is when you're starting to get to the good stuff. If you can get all the way to the center and find those really strong ideas that could solve your problem in a really meaningful 
um, impactful way, you're going to get somewhere. And I think the other thing you have to do, and I am a big fan of this, is bring the naysayers with you from the very beginning. It's not kick them out of the room. It's bring them in the room and have them partner with you arm in arm all the way from the beginning to the end. Because at the end, if you've convinced that person that says we could never do this, or it's a terrible idea, or we can't, we can't, we can't. If you can get them there where they're like, yeah, not only can we do it, but we have a really interesting way to approach the problem, you're going to be able to pull it off. That's like often we are our own worst enemies. We often are the dream killers, the idea killers because of all of the realities of how hard it is to implement something new. Right. You create a dream that can never become reality. And, you know, that's as much killing a dream as it is uh, saying no to something. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of all of those outer layers of the onion that we don't want to eat, <laughs> you know, the dry bits and the skin and then those layers that aren't so juicy. But you've got to get past those to get to the good stuff. And uh, mm -hmm. that's a really great analogy about leaning into the nose from the get go. Um, so that you can get to a better result later on. So one of the great leadership lessons that I have learned is one of my most important tasks and, and jobs to do is to create an environment in which vulnerability is welcomed. Because in innovation, I'm asking people to put their ideas out there. And that's a hard thing to do in front of a room of your peers and, and those that you spend your days with. It's hard to ask people to put themselves out there. And how do you do that? I think it's about... Um, probably being vulnerable myself and allowing others to see that I'm willing to go there and then asking them to go with me. Looking at your background, there's a lot of things that you did before you got into food and beverage. You know, some of the folks that uh, we speak to on the show uh, have been food and beverage lifers, like from literally uh, from the Easy Bake Oven onwards. And some folks actually came to it later. You have a diverse set of experiences before you zeroed in on food and beverage. Talk a little bit about that. What drew you to food and beverage? Coming out of school, what I really wanted to do was make things. And I was placed into my first kind of foray into building things, which was commercial production in a radio station. And it was magical, guys. Like it was, it was one of those experiences where I got to work in a big studio with composers and brilliant kind of sort of like um, voice voice talent and all of these really cool things and we we're making commercials for the next big movie or the next big product. And it was really, really exciting. I loved it so much. So I think that what that taught me though, was one, I loved the opportunity to build. So, so check did that went from radio into a traditional advertising agency. How food comes in is that all of my clients were food clients. I was able to work with a client who had a custom division of their business in which they said, hey, Mindy, can you come help us figure out how we create new custom proprietary products for our core customers? And for that particular client, it was in food service. And so I had the opportunity to work with the top 100 restaurants and help this client design products that were right for them. Along that time that I was, I remember distinctly being in this new and up and coming hotel in Manhattan, right across um, from the library on Fifth Avenue, I think, and saying, hey, I think this is what I want to do next. That was your eureka moment. It was that. Yes. And what a wonderful thing. And I mean, of course, you know, nobody is sad when they get to lead food tours around the country. And I've had such an opportunity to do that, which has been 
sort of a dream. Well, when you put it that way, you know, doesn't sound like a tough job, but you know, we all Not know so this bad. year that this year um, has been tough. Then this isn't the only tough year. We've had 2020. Now we've had 2022 with all of the uncertainties and are we going into recession? And, you know, how do you make a buck in this business these days? So yeah. this passion that you have for innovation and trying new ideas, how do you keep that alive when it's the tough time. Yeah, there's always going to be challenges. I think that's the thing we have to remember. And of course, the challenges shift, they change. Um, tomorrow's challenges will not be today's challenges. Just like, you know, I was hitting the street trying to inspire teams when 2008 hit and was part of um, a group of innovators at that time saying, oh man, what's happening right now? It's It was a scary time. And when 2008 hit, that feeling we all had of like, oh my goodness, like we are headed into a dark time and how do we solve for our our customers and our clients and, and our restaurant guests for this time in, in food service and with food and beverage? It was, it, the conversation had to shift, right? We had to start thinking a little bit differently. And while today's challenges are not the same at all of what we experienced in 2008, what we have to think about is like, how do we think about innovation and product as an answer to a challenge that our customer has, like our guest has, and always be consumer centric, always be thinking about how do we help our guest in a time that there's anxiety? That's interesting how you frame it. You know, a lot of the folks that we talk to right now frame the challenges of 2022 as it's hard for us to be able to make a margin and where do we price take and where don't we price take. Interesting that you brought up and you put front and center anxiety as the headwind that we have to meet in this year. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. One of our most important jobs in innovation is thinking through a consumer lens. So what is the best option for our consumers as they make their choice on where they dine tonight? There's just so much noise out there. There are so many players in our space now. I believe that the last couple of years really broke down the walls of segments. So I feel like we live in a place now where segment is less important, where it has been in the past really important to how we think about food service. You mean that casual dining to fast casual, casual to QSR, exactly. those exactly. barriers, right? I feel like to some degree that has started to fall away a little bit. And it comes down to, I have this much money in my pocket, where am I going to spend those dollars? And how do I make sure that I put those dollars into a decision that's worth it? Because there's all this noise all around us all day long about all the impending challenges that we could talk about all day long. Those are in those are so mainstream in terms of news. We're all hearing it as consumers. We're all aware of that. And that just breeds anxiety, the noise alone. And we're consumers. We hear it. We feel it. So, of course, our guests, our restaurant guests feel it as well. That's interesting that perspective. And it's certainly true that in moments of anxiety, communicating clearly and helping people make decisions more easily is a big anxiety reducer. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. You know, you talked a lot before about how you've always been wanting to build things. And now you're building things at Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, there are successes and there are failures. Um, I'm wondering if there's a favorite failure that you have and what you took away from that. Yes, all, all, all sorts of failures, Graham. I've had many that I could talk about. I think one of the things that I 
have recognized as a failure and continue to think about as I as I as I reflect on it in, in retrospect is that I I am a get things done kind of girl. And in the creative space, you have to give the room and the people, the team, the space to think and percolate. We're not all the same. Not everybody is a Mindy, thank goodness, because that would be disastrous. And what I have done in the past is I've pushed a little too hard. So I've, I've worked with um, teams and in, in one particular stop in my career, I, I had a really creative, amazing culinary team that reported into me. And, and when deadlines were looming and you could feel the push to get something done, my tendency was to push hard to get the work done, to get it across the line. And why I think of that as a failure And what I learned from it is you're not going to get your best work, which means that in reality, we have failed in creating the best product. And my learning from that is sometimes you have to recognize the signs of too much, too fast, too hard, and pull back. I'm interested. What advice do you have for those who are trying to follow your lead or for those who are trying to navigate their own path to food and beverage? I think that one of the things that those who are interested in food and beverage should remember, we are in a service industry. It all comes down to how well can they bring it to the table that really delivers on what that what the role of the product is, frankly, and you'll only be as good as that experience. So it goes from being a product to actually being something that's performed you know, it's almost like it's showtime now. It's showtime. It's showtime. It's it's how do you take an idea, run it all the way through all the testing that we do and talking to consumers and getting it right and optimizing and getting it to a place where it's ready to launch and then letting it launch and letting it live in the environment of your restaurant. I love what you said. Show's on. It's time to go. It's launch day delivering it in a way that meets our guests' expectations and takes it from a product to an experience that they will remember because food and beverage at the very heart of it is a very emotional experience. It's not transactional. It's something that we remember. There's all sorts of good feelings that come with that experience. Taking it to a place of a show, I mean, I love that. I agree. I agree. That's why I'm here. That's my why. Me too. We've all had the moment. We, you know, I can I can distinctly remember being in a restaurant, this tiny little shoebox of a restaurant, and they had maybe three things on the menu and ordering one and putting it in my mouth and being like, this just changed my life. I mean, there is this beauty and emotion around food that I mean, is, is there's no match. I mean, I'm very biased. I believe there is no match. So those are all the big, serious questions. We've got some easy softball ones now. Oh, good. This has been difficult. Right? Um, Well, we're here to (laughs) test you, Mindy. Um, What's something that few people might know about you? Hmm. Let's see. It just struck me that this might be quite tough for somebody who lives their life quite so out loud as you do and quite so vulnerably. I do. I mean, I was about to say, I I feel like I... uh, tell everybody everything about me. I'm very open and transparent, uh, probably to a fault. I, I'm really quite chill outside of a working environment. So you know me, Graham, in this world of that we live in, and you see me at conferences, and you see me on stages, and, you, and we talk often. And 
my energy is high. Usually when I turn it off and head home, I'm pretty chill. And how do you like to chill? I love to, uh, I am excellent at doing nothing. I have really conquered that skill. That that should be a book sold at airports right now. Yes! Um, right? You know, the, yes. the hidden, the lost skill of doing nothing. Doing nothing. Mindy Armstrong. I will write it. Doing nothing without guilt. Apart from apart from doing nothing without guilt, your next New York Times bestseller. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to write an autobiography, uh, would it be the same, or or would it have a different name? Okay, this is so silly, but I say this often. I think my autobiography would be called "We Should Be Friends." I'm always looking for the next really interesting person that I can be friends with because I just love digging into other people's experiences and getting to know new people. And I made a new friend last night and I just, I'm constantly sort of trying to collect and curate my group of people. So my autobiography would be, we should be friends. Are you meeting these people sort of on a social platform or IRL? In real life. Yes. That's another lost art. I think that that's another airport book about uh, how actually to meet new people in real life. How to make friends as an adult, right? I mean, that's hard. Uh, That is vanishingly hard. Uh, We're in the last lap now. If you had a theme song, what might it be? If I had to pick a theme song, I would say Jason Isbell, If It Takes a Lifetime. There's a great line in the song that says, man is a product of all the people that he ever loved. And I think that is such an important reminder that we all are who we are because of the people that have been in our lives. And that is true for me. It is true for my career. It is true for my personal life that all of those that have been in my life, the people who have loved me, the people who have cheered me on, the people who have given me great advice, the people who have given me really, really hard advice, the people who have pushed me, the people that have required me to step up, the people who have let me step up. What a gift. And it has made me who I am. And I think for what I do every day and as, as it relates to food and beverage innovation, I can't do it alone. I can't create a new product by myself. I'm not a chef. I work with a group of amazing chefs every day that create beautiful, wonderful, delicious, delightful products. And we do it together. Everything we create, we do as a team. And I have to remember that. We all have to remember that. Good players make themselves look good. Great players make the team look good. And for me and who I want to be and the advice I would give to others is be a great player. Be the player that champions the team. Be the glue that pulls the team together because that's where the great work comes from. Well, Mindy Armstrong, we know you are now a woman who is a product of everyone you've ever loved. Uh, Voyager, adventurer, builder, inspired connector and orchestrator. And now we know that you're also going to be our team DJ. So Mindy, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I'm looking forward to the next time. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to Heroes and Headwinds, a podcast brought to you by the team at the Culinary Edge, produced by Evan Sorenstein and Mackenzie Phelan. Watch your feed for the new episodes to discover which industry leader we're chatting up next. <laughs>